0: Good morning.
1: Good morning to you. I don't know if I told you this, but since the last time I tried to set the recurring reminder and then you had a daylight savings time kind of thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which has been really good, actually. So when we chatted last week, that was kind of the first time in a long time that I'd managed to get up at 5 a.m. And, yeah. and then daylight savings changed over the weekend. And suddenly it was an hour easier to get up at 5 a.m. So I've been taking advantage of that and I've been doing it every day and coming
1: in and like getting
0: some proper play time in.
1: Before That's fantastic. That's so
0: been, it's been good. I, we've,
1: we've chatted about that before. I love that time when there's nobody around. There's no questions. Just you in like <laughs> a quiet room of machines ready to be used for some reason.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of the dream. Jamming right. uh-huh. yeah.
0: the robots. are <laughs> my always my uh, alter ego.
1: I feel like you were in a band or are in a yeah. band.
0: Yeah, well, there's Gem in the Hologram, so you're familiar with it? Hasbro I haven't toy. seen
1: that, but
2: I need okay. to see it now. Kids, kids cartoon from the 80s. Oh. Are you in the cartoon? No. <laughs>
0: Before my time.
2: Okay, okay.
0: But I've got the jigsaw puzzle now.
1: <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I haven't heard of that. <clears throat> For good reason. Mm. 91% of people like this show, though, so it's not right, like no. you're alone. <laughs> how are you going? Pretty good. We're, I don't know. It just feels like we're in constant limbo with versus how things were the first few years of having this like job shop business. Things were easy to get and source and prices were the same and it just kind uh-huh. of always a new thing. Yeah. We talked about plywood a little bit the other day, like you switched to material to try to have a better supply, you know, from... But Baltic Birch is the issue lately, it seems. And so we tried to switch, and now the new thing is everybody's gobbling that up and it's not mm. available again. So just kind of always playing whack a mole with that.
2: Other than that, I don't know. Trying to do too much usually. <laughs> <laughs> How about you? Yeah, no, I've had a good week. Um, production's kind of quiet at the moment. We need a little bit more flowing through
0: onto the floor kind of got a lot of big custom jobs in the wings just waiting to drop so i feel like the end of the month is going to be crazy but at the moment we're pretty crazy just getting through as much as we can to free up production for later so yeah just trying to smash out everything that's in the system and get that capacity for later on when we're going to need it i think but we're good the team team's going really well good vibe and just yeah Quoting, 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 quoting. That's all, like, I feel like that's all I do at the moment. Other I than gonna, that morning playtime.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, is that one of your main responsibilities still is the quoting? Yeah, yeah.
0: Share it between myself and Aaron and Sarah. There's kind of three of us who work on quotes. But Aaron and I are the main ones who sort of sit down and crunch numbers on jobs. And we do it in grasshopper. An air table. So it's pretty
1: fun. I, I knew we were gonna get into that. I, <laughs> you've sent me screenshots before, videos of your grasshopper, and I've used it some very functionally as well. Like, not I'm not very great with the design aspects of it, which is what mm. a lot of my like colleagues used it for in school. But your like quoting system through it is fantastic. Like, at least in a visual sense, it's
0: fantastic. One word, yeah, out of control. Do you like it that way? No, I, I do. It's really good. We've actually tidied it up at Peeps. We've um kind of switched, switched where the calculations are happening. Previously, we had that crazy grasshopper patch, which you've probably seen screenshots of, which was just like wires everywhere, and all the it was basically just a complex spreadsheet that was running, yeah, all the calculations for a quote. And we've seen recently, we've moved all the sort of Calculation side of that over to Airtable, and so now Grasshopper is really just there as a geometry input tool. So it's like, mm-hmm. you know, here's a sheet of parts. How long are they? How many edges are there? and What's the square meterage, etc., yeah. etc. And then we plug that raw data into Airtable. So Grasshopper's a smaller part of it, still there, <laughs> um, but it means that Airtable's doing all the calculations because we were running into issues with like, wow. Well, you know, in the current climate with material prices changing <laughs> every day, <laughs> mm-hmm. just having to manually update like all the. True. That
1: would have been tough. So now
0: we've got an inventory base in Airtable, which is kind of the master point and everything references that. So whether it's quoting or product pricing, everything sort of ties back to that inventory table. So it's been really good.
1: Yeah, that's great. That's mm. kind of the dream. We had a guy that built up a lot of arrows. We were doing the back wall, like, trying to get that into an air table adding skews and things stuff we hadn't really done before and was tying quotes we got from vendors and materials into all that and it's it's fairly challenging to do in a scheme of like you know different materials and different different Mm. types of things that aren't that aren't alike you've got like time you know labor and then you've got like material and then there's like cost breaks in there and yeah maybe i'm over maybe we're taking it too far in some cases but no it gets it gets
0: deep and like the stack gets really deep very quickly it's wild Uh, like I saw a diagram I can't must have been an app in Airtable that we got like a graphic diagram of like all the connections it was kind of like if you could see Airtable as a grasshopper patch there's like (laughs) a I think it's called schematic or something like that yeah yeah
1: a little plug-in those are really cool That was actually one thing I was going to ask you about related Uh to Airtable was the thing that I struggle with, with it. I'm doing a lot of the like, you know, architecting of how it potentially works for others to use is I find it challenging to have like an overall view of, because you have all these bases potentially, or even if you just have one base with a bunch of tables in it, how do you, how do you keep track of that? Or do you use a different system outside? Do you use a base to control the bases?
0: Yeah, I've thought a bit about that. I do personally, my solution to that is to have a link index. So we we came from using Workflowy for mm-hmm. everything, and I still use Workflowy as my sort of personal mm, organizational note-taking system. Mm-hmm. So I've got a tab open all the time. It's basically a link, a link index, which is just shortcuts to all the key documents because i just get lost like you got google docs Airtable, blah 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 so many different things i just hmm. need that quick draw sort of going jump into where i want to go and not have to sort of navigate through these systems um so that's been my sort of hmm. personal hack but i am aware of that like for our guys like trying to remember where to go to find the information about the thing is like deep 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 down in a base yes <laughs> So one thing we've done recently to try and tackle that is like we've got a technique base, which is supposed to be like our sort of, you know, our go-to document on how to do anything in the company. <laughs> and when we first started using Airtable, we built out like heaps of um, tabs across the top and everything was in a separate tab. And then was have got, you know, you're starting to side-scroll to find the right tab and search functionality is kind of wacky in Airtable. And so our solution to that has been to just, have like a big bucket single table and you just hmm. like dump everything into that. So everything's just a separate offline um, item and then using views and filters to hmm. access that. Yeah. So I feel like views and filters are like so, are so powerful. Yeah. And by having that sort of single, you know, dump spot of all that information,
2: it means search functionality is quite good within that as well. So that's been our sort of go to. More recently. Yeah. It's kind of
1: one thing that's challenging I find is once you start making something, it's a little bit hard to back it out and like you can't really merge stuff from other ones unless you do the synced table, but then they don't really merge. Uh, It it's really brilliant if you've thought out it's the same as fusion, right? If you've thought everything out from the beginning perfectly, it works great. But if you need to change it. God help you. Yeah, like
2: yeah.
1: it it's you got to know how to basically undo all of your challenges and you No, no, I love again. it. Yeah, I either. love it. It's it's I love the challenge of it. I love how it's Airtable is one of the only things that has worked and I mean, we've always had a small team of people of between like two people total and four at one point, but mm. I mean, we tried other ones, other project management things and they all all sucked. Uh, for yeah. one reason or another and a lot of it was because it wasn't we weren't able to do really what we needed to do with it it was always like too much about the middle management or like you know the all the erps are super driven off of like an old school machine shop mentality it seems like and i don't know i like being able to like make it what we want and i'll take that over having too much stuff that nobody wants to touch or the process fails completely
0: Mm-hmm. did you did you research ERPs did you think about getting something off the shelf
1: yes yeah I mean I kind of especially coming into this I think we both maybe if I had to speak first at least for myself I come into all this so not like naive to oh, any yeah. type of like I didn't learn anything about project management in school or <laughs> business it was like here's here's how you design something theoretically and then everything after that you know you kind of figure out on your own so you know i knew of these things basically from like listening to bomb or like mm-hmm. something else you find out oh there's these other software things that aren't trello you know <laughs> and <laughs> which i you know I, trello was great for me at one point but i just find them all to be a super expensive like job shop and e2 or whatever the other ones are and like I was saying before, it's super driven by, it seems like what the perfect old school machine shop was or is or yeah. what they are supposed to be or something. And I just never, or like they have to be installed on site as some kind of like local server thing. I'm like, I, I don't even work on site half the time. Like <laughs> that's going to suck
0: yeah yeah we sort of 18 months ago when we were like right workflow is not going to cut it anymore because we'd kind of built a little hacky erp in workflow with hashtags and deep menus and stuff <laughs> so and amazing it was great fun but i loved it but we kind of were like okay right this isn't going to work moving forward we need a more we need an api basically workflow didn't i think still doesn't have an api like cool we need something a bit smarter that we can connect to Shopify and. Get some automation happening, and we shopped around at a bunch of things, and we researched proper ERPs, and everything was like, "Well, that's yeah, that's a lot of money. Don't know that we can justify that yet." I think Bulkroom looked really good, but it was at the time expensive. It seems out of our range, but I think you're right. Like it's everything that is kind of close to manufacturing feels very traditional, job shop focused. Anyway, we settled on building our own in Airtable, and in hindsight, eighteen months later, we've probably spent the equivalent in just people's wages building our oh first
1: thing my. for sure. Absolutely! Um, oh my god, it's not fantastic. more. Yeah,
2: but no regrets.
1: What I what I love about that, and you hear like Saunders talk about this too, is with like their systems, Saunders and Grimshaw. Is at the end of the day, we can still keep editing it ourselves we don't have to pay somebody else to change their system. And so if we don't like it, it's like, well, who wants to tackle that? For the most part, like, we don't have a lot of stuff that's, like, custom scripted. It's got enough built-in automation features. And like you're saying, the APIs, we use a decent amount of, like, Zapier. Zapier? Zapier? I don't know if I've said that out loud to anybody else. I say Zapier. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's pretty good. I, I think that's one of the things we originally chatted about was CNC routing, probably. Oh. Uh, Fusion Airtable is about the our top three. <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing this? <laughs> and I found it pretty hard to share. Like, I wanted to share kind of more about Airtable, but it's pretty hard to share the process.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, I've tried to give people demos of ours before, and it's, yeah, it doesn't quite work. It's hard. I mean, partly partly because if i want to screen share and give a video demo it's like it's full of client information exactly financials and stuff which you know depends who it is might be fine but i'm not going to do a youtube video talking through our like ordering system because everything would just be grayed out so yeah it's a tricky one you almost have to like duplicate it and put in dummy data and then that's a that's just a big job
1: it is yeah i i I've been trying to think through process. I've made a couple like online courses. Basically in the beginning of the pandemic here, we lost a bunch of work in 2020. And mm-hmm. we weren't getting prospect of new work at all. It was just like nobody wanted to do anything. The businesses all stopped, it seemed like. And I had I had like probably in a week or two, a half dozen people ask about doing training of the type of machine that the CNC router we had. And I was just like, well, A, I'm not going to your shop and training you right now (laughs) because I don't know what this thing is and nobody's working. So my solution was to try to make an online course that actually turned out to be better than I thought it would be in terms of wanting to take it. I can't speak to how good it is. Too biased for that, but it's like, it was pretty good. I enjoyed the process and it seemed like it helped some people, but I've wanted to make more of those things because A it spreads easily, right? You don't have to mm. come any- go anywhere. You can take it from wherever. So one of the things I've thought about is trying to do an Airtable. Like, I have people ask about it whenever I share a little bit. Like, how how are you doing your table ERP thing? And I'm like, That's exactly what you're saying. It's like, <laughs> I can't show you ours. Like, you yeah. know, I got to like redact half of it. And so that was my thought, is to duplicate it as, you know, a blank, basically, and build it kind of in steps and see how that goes, I guess.
0: Yeah, I mean, sharing little bits. Yeah, I suppose it's not a course then, but like you inspired us to look at the QR inventory scanning stuff, for instance, and try and integrate that. Yeah. Jay, and, Jay and I saw that on your Instagram. We're like, oh, yeah, we need
3: this. QR that codes. Um,
1: I, I find that I kind of get, you know, like, I don't know, just friends and things that I've brought up, like, using QR codes functionally too, or like, oh, you should try. It's just like, they give me this look of like, what is wrong with you? Because for the longest (laughs) time, they were like, laughable, right? You know, they didn't work half the time. But honestly, I even people here are like, Justin, what is wrong? Like, nobody wants to scan a QR code. But I find them, like, infinitely usable, like, so useful to, like, quickly pull up something
2: Straight to it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, they're great. I'm interested in your sort of the custom side of your business.
0: Like, Mm. how much time are you spending quoting? Is there an appetite for custom work over there at the moment?
1: As in, we design something or people are making things and then Mm. want us to make it, like produce for them?
0: Yeah, people bringing you either ready files or like kind of partially ready files for
1: machining. Um, it seems yeah that was kind of what we did largely from 2017 when i kind of accidentally started the portland cnc thing the reason i had some awareness that that would work was i couldn't get anybody to make things that were custom locally mm. it was especially if it had to use flavor of being a 3d model 3d machining it was like our machine can't do that and i'd you know what what's your machine and <laughs> oh, we can do that. You just don't know how to set it up. You know, I was trying to make my own products at that time and I was like, well, I'll set up the side business. It, you know, kind of happened upon the name which worked out for SEO. And from that it it you know, I won't say it took off. It kept me busy until all of a sudden I was in a new shop and in another shop and had hired one or two people. And honestly, I think a lot of our if we call it success, was that we were willing to try things and try to take on things people didn't want to do, especially with routers and wood. I think a lot of there's a lot of capability in the metal milling machining world, but yeah, nobody wants to do 3D things or didn't for the longest time. I think Fusion mm. helped to change a lot of that. Oh, yeah. We kind of have started to move away from that as we're trying to do our own products. There's still definitely a desire. We still have a handful of clients that want. Either repeat work or a lot of prototypes work was kind of where we hit our sweet spot is we are not really set up to do like big production runs of anything. We can't really do finishing like we don't have the space for that. So it's it ends up being we used to get a lot more, but for a few reasons with focusing our inquiries a little bit more. So we get jobs that we will do well on rather than every spectrum of jobs (laughs) because there's a lot of the introductory people to see and see that just don't it takes a lot of education time to bring them into yeah, the process sure. of here's what you can make your project's not right and that whole process is basically free <laughs> it's tough when you're a small company to you know help people along so yeah it's i've always been curious how much of that you do i know i've seen a handful of projects and you also it seems like most of your business comes from product related things that you design and sell
0: Yeah, we do a fair bit of it. We certainly get a lot of quote inquiries for the straight CNC machining jobs. And it's a real mix. And I think, yeah, the education side of it's a really interesting challenge of like, how do you make it accessible, but not spend, you know, excessive amounts of time helping problem solve someone's files? Yes. And so I think, having good resources online, which I would say we don't. Like we've always had just like a single placeholder page of like, these are some considerations with file types and these are the main sort of tool diameters we use and, you know, offsets and blah, blah, blah. Yep. I think we could, if we wanted to sort of focus on that area, having better resources online, even like file templates, I've thought about, like, you know, this is gold standard for how to set up a Rhino file or a Fusion file for machining. Um, Yeah. But then you're relying on people who have those CAD skill sets, and that's not always going to be the case. So, but no, to answer your question, we
1: do a fair bit of it
0: sort of one off, you know, parts come off the machine and then go straight out, unfinished, unsanded, or, you know, there might be a bit of post processing, a few roundovers, a bit of edge sanding, and then out the door. It's a really broad range. And I think, yeah, it often is sort of prototyping related, whether it's student work or, Commercial work where they're just trying to get prototype off the ground or they're testing ideas for a larger run. I guess we can then support larger runs up to a point. Like we're not very rarely do anything in the thousands, but we're comfortable doing sort of, you know, hundreds of units of something.
1: Yeah. Kind of similar. Pretty similar. Yeah. Uh, I've always had a hard time. Just frankly, like both quoting and then like scaling a job from, oh, you know, somebody will say, oh, I want to, if I just did 10 of these or 500 or a thousand, what would be the pricing? And I'm like, I mean, I haven't run 10 of them yet. You know, like, how do I know what a thousand's going to be like? <laughs> like, yeah. are we really going to have any cost savings in this? And I think some of that stuff comes with maybe the more traditional experience with going through a shop you know, education or like coming up through it. And I'm just like, I don't lose my shirt, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a tricky one to balance. We'll often like quote the prototype and then put estimates on the batch. Same. That then get resolved once we've machined, you know, one of them or a few of them. Yeah. Um, but it's hard because people are often coming with an idea for a product and they're like, they're keen to kind of lock in their product pricing and say... This tricky, tricky balance of giving them a price, even if it's not fixed. Yes, but then yes, that yes. has to be informed by the reality of actually doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel yeah, like yeah, that's do, why we do it too. Yeah, for sure. I feel like we do quite a bit of work for people who are, you know, we're effectively doing product development for people. I've become more and more aware of this lately of like consulting, basically. We, yeah, as we've tried to sort of zero in on what our target market is or what we're good at, that's definitely something that's high on my list. Of like, yeah, cons- product development consulting within a very narrow window of sort of materials and processes. But yeah, Go people ahead. come to us
2: with yeah, I want to develop X, and we then help them get that to a sort of a makeable thing. I definitely. You know, when we were in our, let's say, heyday of, I feel like we've kind of turned the page on thinking that that's our top
1: capability. Like, I, we we're good at it, I think, you know, helping people make their products. I don't know that it's what I want for a long-term business. It's cha- really challenging to make that stable and profitable and reliable. It's, I think i joked before, it feels like everybody wants their thing done between five and ten days, and that's impossible to plan for in terms of scheduling. And and I had a early employee that was really great. He had a lot of experience and he would always tell me that we were missing the missing being able to bill some of that early development process with clients of Mm. like basically from the time you get their file to even the time when they agree to a quote, there's a lot of this back and forth that happens with like, that's not producible. And, and I, I kind of went the side of always like, I'm never going to make somebody's part without letting them know it doesn't work. Because like, hey, yeah. I don't want to waste the material. I think that's wrong to just make stuff that doesn't work. Part of being a service that helps people is it should have some ethics to it. <laughs> and he would always say we give that away. And I, I think he's right. You know, in a certain sense, but it's really mm. hard to also say, pay me money before I even help you with your project. You know, it's like it's hard, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's a challenging prospect for somebody to go, yeah, well, I don't know. Before we look at that, I need a little money here. You know, like it feels like the mob or something. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. I suppose if you can communicate your, you know, your offering of like, Your skill set
0: before doing the work, sort of yeah. What's that value proposition of what you're going to do for them? Then maybe that could work. But yeah, that's a really tricky grey area, and it's so Mm -hmm. variable job to job too. Was that was that advice from your employee coming from sort of industry experience where they'd seen that that was different, or was it more just like this doesn't feel right?
1: I think maybe both in terms of. I don't know. I I don't have much experience. I think maybe one of the reasons I was attracted to like you and what you were doing was it felt like we had a lot of that overlap. I don't know a, a lot of shops to do CNC routing as a job shop, especially locally. It's just not that common, I guess. So it feels like some of those conventional thoughts about them and how they work, like I just, and some of that's completely being naive to coming into this and not not knowing that there probably are a lot more than I'm aware of. But it, he he had no experience in that either. He he had done, like, without going too deep in his background, but he just had a lot of different types of experience in, in different types of manufacturing, custom-making things, and and then seeing also, he helped a little bit with quoting, what we were up against and, like, how we would spend, you know, a decent amount of time and then not want a project, you know, and it's it's kind of like sales in a certain sense. In that way, I suppose that I'm also challenged at. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so I don't know.
1: Yeah, it's it's an interesting game. I don't know that I
2: ever thought I would be doing doing like
1: a service business. It wasn't really what I was imagining.
2: Yeah. What what were
0: you imagining? Did you have a plan?
1: Because <laughs> I certainly didn't. The plan was like. I want to design and design and/or make things, you know, and probably selfishly in the way that I want to do it, rather than following something that felt wrong or maybe lesser in my view of quality or ethics or you know different things. And so, yeah, I went to architecture school. Didn't like architecture as a business at all. I did about a year and just was not for me. So. It was pretty easy. I'd already done some like product development with this Kickstarter and some other products under what is now NAC Studio. That's how I basically fell into trying to make things for other people with Portland CNC by trying to make my own products and having bought a machine. So the CNC part was basically an accident. Like Portland CNC was (laughs)
3: like,
1: I just need to make a little money so I can pay this machine every month. And there was enough people that kind of kept growing to a point where i was like well this is basically a full time thing now so i've always wanted and had the passion to like design and make things that that people can use or find enjoyable that's that's my driving passion of like yeah. making it good and then also now i've found that i love to make those really efficient processes, to make those things. That's kind of like my new thing is how can we make that faster, you know, and, yeah. and keep the same quality. Yeah. I don't know if that
2: was a long yeah. answer. Yeah. That, that to me, that speaks to one of my sort of ongoing
0: conundrums, which is I Love that sort of internal, you know, product design, making things for our own product range with our own processes. And from a business perspective, that sort of work is much more predictable. We know what the margins are in a product and we can sell it. And, you know, if we've priced it right, then we make money. But there's, I'm aware, because we've been so, you know, custom external work has always been by far the greater proportion of our revenue pretty much since the the beginning yeah i'm aware that that external input brings a whole lot of richness as well like you know true. external ideas a lot of our products have come from cli- client problems you know i need a thing to do x and it's, it's like oh so okay, cool, we can we can come up with a thing that does that and we design a thing and you know maybe we completely undercharge for that design or we don't charge for the design at all, but we end up with a sort of a product out of it. And some of our best products have kind of come from those external inputs. So when I've, at times, I've sort of fantasized about like, cool, oh, but I'm, I'm, I'm done, let's turn off custom work. Like, <laughs> I can't do this oh, anymore. Yeah. Let's just go 100% oh, yeah. product. Yep. I then, you know, think about, you know, that external energy and... You know, problems are a good thing. Problems lead to new solutions or new ideas, and yeah, I think that's at the moment my current thinking. I don't think we could ever turn that off completely. Um, uh, even yeah. if we got to sort of an eighty percent product mix, I think there'd still be you know ten to fifteen percent
2: of this sort of custom, special projects, whatever you want to call it, of that you know yeah, that problem solving. World,
0: yeah. I'm not to say that there's not problem solving in just making product because, as you said, like building those systems and efficiencies is really enjoyable.
1: Yeah, and yeah, definitely. No, um, it, that's interesting. I've like hadn't thought of it in those phrases of like internal versus external drive or input, and that I was shaking my head vigorously as you were describing that because there's so many things, like you know, a couple plays here had said we've basically in when we decided to start doing more product related things we had a discussion it was like well we have basically been tuning this factory you know our own little factory from my novice experience in making things you know I, i'm always capable of taking up crazy things that probably aren't producible or not profitable <laughs> and i've been slowly learning how to make that profitable by working through other people's problems for their yeah. projects and that's so true that, like, we've created all these new ways to do fixturing, as I think is a big tease towards how you've made a very cool little, as you call it, the pencil sharpener. I'd love to talk about that at some point, too.
2: Yeah.
1: Right? Like, all of those potential, like, one of our first decently, I don't know if you can see it, up behind me, those iMac bases are kind yeah, of, like, yeah. sitting up there. So that was, basically, that manufacturing process came from client. Projects of yeah. how to hold it it's not complicated, but it's a tallish chunk of wood that we wanted to come out really clean and pair with an apple product, so it's like it can't be flawed and with a bunch of tooling marks on it, and we don't want to hand sand everyone to death, so yeah, that's so true how I guess I had thought of the virtues of it internally as much as I've thought about how much it's painful to I, do all these things we just talked about with custom work that is challenging but it's definitely valuable
0: yeah i feel like we have a conversation really regularly here in staff meetings of like oh well that job went terribly we've definitely (laughs) lost money on that but then on the bright side you know we learned how to do you know this new 3d machining or you know we learned how to do this and like i think (laughs) yeah you know, I'm a, a dangerously optimistic person, which is terrible when you're responsible for quoting all the projects. <laughs> company. Uh, but it does mean that when you sort of cultru- culturally, I think we're always trying to sort of look on the bright side of experience and what did we learn. True. I think that's yeah, really important.
1: What it's can almost take like away from it. It's almost like, I don't know. Do you go as far as to have project debriefs of like that kind of thing? Or is it mostly a status meeting that's like just comes up? Uh, we're trying to get, we're
0: trying to close the loop on that. Um, for, for a long time, there's been this disconnect between quoting and report data. We use zero projects to track to time and get a sense of how yeah. a project went.
2: And the idea is that that data is, you know, it's not about whether someone, you know, did
0: an X number of hours per day or whatever. It's about, you know, feeding back.
2: Profitability, yeah.
0: Profitability, whether that quote was good or not. But there's always been a bit of a disconnect because, you know, we were quoting in Grasshopper and then reporting in Zero. And it's like, you have to sit down and almost do the quote <laughs> again to draw those. Dude, been that we're is. We're trying to. The plan with Airtable now that we're quoting in Airtable is to then I mean, the next step is to build out the reporting functionality within A- A- Airtable. So it's like closed mm-hmm. loop. You at the end of the job, you end up with two cells next to each other, and it's like this is what I quoted, and this is what happened, and like yes. that really tight comparison, which can then directly inform the next quote or the next thing that was like that.
1: I mean, theoretically, you get to this place. All right, I don't know if you've do you know Zometry. It's like, do you have that there?
3: Uh, I've only heard of it in podcasts.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So they've, you know, have some type of very algorithmic quoting system where you throw up a solid file at their web Uh, interface and then it quotes the project for the client and then it also sends it once they accept out to producers, which are largely not their company. And, you know, it you would imagine it's constantly evolving to meet the price you know keeping the price low for the client but then keep you know making the people that make the parts happy which i've actually been on both sides a little bit and it's very interesting to see kind of the what goes in one side and comes out the other from like the producer side and we've we've done the same thing i've always been really fascinated and found valuable to time track and you know everybody that does the time tracking is screw this you know like what are we doing this for how much time do you want me to spend on time tracking is is yeah. the best question of that and i'm always like as little as possible but don't don't do it you know mm. and since probably when we chose to do more product development stuff we've kind of curtailed time tracking and i feel weird about it i feel really mm. weird like what are we missing here because i know it was helping me to make better quotes because we get to the end of the day, and I go, "Oh my god, we went over by 50 percent." If we have a job like that again, <laughs> if you can catch it, <laughs> yeah. yeah, quoting it the next time, we need to make sure and cover ourselves because otherwise, you know, that, I I just imagine that's the one way you go out of business quick. Is oh you yeah, don't do those. You don't track time in that way. You track it for like who's getting paid what, you know, mm. salary like out really wages or something.
0: Yeah, the question of, you know, the sort of employee question of like why are we doing this or like why are we spending so much time tracking our time is an interesting one and I think, you know, it's an ongoing conversation and we're trying to keep the system as lean as possible at the same time accurate and something that's helped us, I think, is pretty, we pretty much run open book management now. Mm. So... The company's finances are on the table and in discussion
2: every week. I think that's helped just sort of communicate why we bother. Yeah, for uh, sure. Yeah. And it, it's a tricky balance because you don't want to scare
0: scare people or make someone sort of feel disempowered by saying, oh, you know, we lost another 30 grand last month and like someone who's just coming to work might be like, well, what? How? Like, what can I do about that? You know, I, how to, how can I feel you know any sense of responsibility, mm-hmm. or even just like uh, feel empowered to make any difference? Um, but yeah, it's a tricky balance. But I think for the most part, sort of running pretty much open book has meant that that conversation's gotten easier about like why we track time so closely and what those reports are for.
1: I had to, yeah, I've always been pretty open about that stuff as well. Never to the point of like, here's something you can go dig through. And that's yeah. honestly not for the fact of like, I'm afraid for the, for people to see that. It's mostly like kind of challenging to present it that way. Totally. So but the curiosity I have in, in saying that is it's like you use zero accounting, like Xero. You know, yeah. I've used that forever too. It, and as far as I could tell, it's like you basically have to give certain levels of of user access then. Is that the way you keep it open or you just discuss it in meetings in a certain it's sense?
0: More, yeah, it's more that, you know, some people obviously have different levels of zero access depending on their role, but it's more yeah. that across the team, it's more that it's an open discussion and, you know, the monthly financials might go up on the whiteboard in terms of profit and, you know, basic profit and loss. And, and we look at In our report on zero projects report data every week and you know where our billable percentages are as a team and sort of actively trying to improve that
1: interesting this is naturally leading into i always have bigger aspirations than the company is currently because it's (laughs) two people right now this is hilarious but i even at that point i've always had this thought of getting some of this feeling of having worked other places i've always wanted to have something like profit sharing I mean, that assumes Mm. profit in the first place. (laughs) Yeah, that'd be nice. I've always wanted to have profit sharing because I think it's, I I want to always do the best thing for, you know, people that work here. And it's not like I'm, you know, getting rich on any of this, this situation anyway. And I just think it's a really great way to give incentive for people to be invested. I think a lot of times people are here. I'm a really good luck that, people are very invested and want to do the best thing and I'm pretty open about financials but to me that's like the last step is what's I think a lot of people in jobs are driven by money so it's like what's how do I make this business make more money so I can make money you know (laughs)
0: yeah 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 totally that's something I'd love to learn more about too it's an idea I've sort of toyed with but I've never sort of gone deep on research about ways to do that effectively same one sort of uninformed friction point that I rub up against pretty quickly is like, how do you do that, but not create a competitive workplace? Like it Uh, has to be a sort of a team, a team wide push. Yep. To be effective and efficient and profitable. Um, If you sort of break it down to a single operator level, like I imagine, and maybe this is not a thing, but I imagine you could potentially create sort of, uh sort of competitive for environment in you know, some competition can be good, but you know, there's bad <laughs> competition as well. But yeah in short, I'd love to learn more about it and
2: say yeah. a about that. Yeah. I know yeah, other companies that do,
1: not personally, but that's part of I think part of it is I think I just think it'd be great. I think it'd be it would create more unity and I guess I hadn't thought about it in a competitive sense. I my very novice Look at it would be that from not having any understanding really at this point it would be like it's the same maybe across the board, oh, or at some level or of like your, seat, your your time with the company or something. I'm not sure, but mm. yeah, definitely interested. If you have yeah. more thoughts at some point,
2: yeah, yeah, almost two. What's well, on for yeah, the yeah. afternoon?
1: Afternoon is man. I think I was telling you before. I've We've got this new-to-us mill since last summer, and we've used it an okay amount. It's been mostly, like, prototypes, and we've upgraded, like, our router with it. But it has this one major drawback to it that's for my experience and the people working here, it has 512 kilobytes of memory internally. And that is, like, one decent Fusion file. And it is so challenging... For me, and I know that people have been using these things for a long time and figuring this out, but the I need to get that working. We have a job to do on it. <laughs> and yeah. I found this system where you can use a compact flash card. You put a bin file, which is like a Windows kind of like storage volume on it. And that the FANA controller can look at that and then run it like internal memory uh, rather than so- external. Because yeah. otherwise you have to tape run it and it's like this whole thing with you can't restart the file, so it has to start over. And it's just it's just cumbersome, honestly. I don't know it well, so I'm still, that's high on my list to figure out how the heck that thing works better and how we make it profitable and is that, it, look, it looks like a new-ish mill. Like, is it a contemporary machine? It's 2015. Okay. But it was a local client of ours that basically bought it for one job to expedite some processes that they were trying to run and then they didn't run it for more than about six months and then it just sat there. Sure. So it has it had less than three hundred hours on it when we got it. Yeah, wow. So it's basically awesome. new. Yeah, yeah.
0: Very jealous. Yeah. I can't believe you go to the
1: mail. <laughs> well well I do. And no memory. Yeah. Mm. It's kind of brain dead to some degree. I it's mostly me not knowing how to how to utilize it the best as we could. So what about you? Uh, it's on for today.
2: I've got oh, a bunch of little proto- prototyping
0: design development jobs to finish off or get drawings to people for. But for the most part, I've got sort of business development tasks on the list today. Got to dig through our, we do like a, a quarterly walk, one-on-one walk with everyone on the team so we've got i think eight people on the team at the moment and every three months we do a one-on-one together where we just go and walk around the block or go and sit in the park (laughs) for an hour and have a chat um and we did that probably a few weeks ago now and i still haven't sort of gone through all my notes and written my action items ah yeah, yeah that's on my list of things to do today and that's cool if I have time, we're rebuilding our Shopify theme at the moment and I need to get into that and just start populating the new build with some fresh photography and
2: copy mm-hmm. and stuff.
1: So That's fun. See see how we go. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's good to chat. We'll have to catch up on your new microphone stand next time and your pencil sharpener.
0: <laughs> it's currently taped completely taped up with electrical tape.
1: Um, <laughs> The one that you made on the sharpener?
2: That's all right.
0: I'll send you a photo. It's pretty works.
1: special. It's works.
2: Well,
1: it works. It doesn't well, work
0: because the sound card in this PC is so oh, terrible that I, it's not actually working. I but see. I'm, we'll get that. We'll get that. We'll it get sounds that pretty Mac, good. MacBook Pro. And
2: yes. And I'll be training.
1: For next time. Mac. Yeah. Mac, the pencil sharpener. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. Something else. Well, anyway, that's good. About? That's good to chat, man. Yeah. You too. Next. Thanks, Justin. Yeah. Till next time.
2: See ya.